This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. The practice and philosophy of yoga has a long history in India. It has undergone change and transformation. Yoga went through something of a revival and heightened interest from the intellectual public in the West, owing to the teachings of Swami Vivekanand, who traveled Europe and the United States extensively in the mid-19th century, advocating the philosophical underpinnings of yoga. Today, yoga is widely regarded as a posture-based, physical fitness, stress relief, and relaxation technique. But yoga is an entire way of life. By its very nature, yoga is available to and can be made accessible for a wide range of people. Today, we discuss Season 2 of AMI-TV's Reflect and Renew with Kevin Naidu. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. You're with me, Juita Gupta. If you listen to this show, you know that I often reference the fact that I grew up in India. And growing up in India, I was surrounded by yoga. Yoga in the park, my mother practicing yoga on her mat in our drawing room, yoga at school as part of the gym program. But as someone who is visually impaired, I also felt just slightly removed from yoga. I tried to keep up, but wasn't always successful. Now, we've come a long way since then, and many people are actively working to make yoga accessible to people of all abilities. One such person is my guest today. Kevin Naidu, a Saskatoon-based yoga instructor, is the host of AMI-TV's Reflect and Renew. Season 2 of that program airs on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-TV, and Kevin joins us today on The Pulse. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I feel really grateful and blessed to be here. I am grateful and blessed to have you on the program. Kevin, I want to talk to you about the name of your program. Why not just call it Yoga with Kevin Naidu? Why was it important for you to emphasize reflection and renewal? You know, for me, yoga is so much more beyond the physical postures and it's really about getting to know who we are and getting allowing ourselves to walk ourselves back home without the world getting in the way and you know reflect and to allow ourselves that present moment to reflect and be present and to just be with ourselves instead of being with that monkey mind that's often there um, with self-defeating thoughts and everything. So to be reflection, to have a reflection, we allow ourselves to be present. Renewal, it's, I really look at that as like transformation on our yoga mat and the process of pulling back the, all the illusions of the world and coming back home to who we really are authentically and true to us. I'm so excited to get into more of your teachings with you. But just before we talk about all that, just wanted to explore the practical aspects of putting on a TV show because you have been a longtime yoga instructor. But were there differences in how you taught yoga when you were speaking in front of a live audience versus when you were programming a TV show? Yeah, so, you know, it was... Um I honestly, I feel like it, the whole process made me a better teacher mm. um, by how you had to articulate the words, how you don't have a reference point, you know, when people don't 
have limited vision or no vision at all and have never really seen a yoga posture. So they're, you know, speaking to someone that has no reference point. So the description of the words, my head, while I was um, writing the show, I was in a thesaurus. I was in dictionaries. I was in all those things, just trying to articulate myself in a really clear way. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, you're doing a great job because I had a chance to watch and listen to a couple of episodes of Reflection and Renew. And I said to myself one day, why not just give it a shot? And so as you were instructing, I was practicing on my mat. And I have to say, I didn't feel like I missed a beat. So you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you <laughs> so much. I, I, I love hearing that. That makes that makes you just brought a big smile to my face. <laughs> well, let me ask you a little bit about the integrated described video process. That's really what you were alluding to before. This idea that yeah. things have to be described to an audience that might be visually impaired. And you're building that description into the process. Was that something that came to you naturally? Because, you know, when you when you teach yoga, people often have their eyes closed. So you would have to describe things anyway. Or was that something you needed to learn? You know what, I, I would say a little bit of both. I, I, uh, when I teach, I often channel a lot of the information that comes, that comes out of my mouth. I often, to be honest, I don't really know what's coming out of my mouth. Half the time, I feel like I'm channeling spirit a lot um, into, into uh, how I'm articulating my words. Um, but there definitely was, you know, there was a building process within that Um I, I feel really comfortable sitting in a room um, with, with 50 people with my eyes closed and, and giving, you know, a, a meditation instruction. Mm-hmm. So it was just finding the duality of both sides of that. Mm-hmm. The other piece around this, and you talked about this just a few minutes ago, is the way in which working on this TV show, Reflection and Renewal, uh, might have actually helped you as a teacher. So how did that make a difference to the way you teach your classes? You know, accessibility has always been right at the front ever since I started teaching, but this has impacted my teaching by taking it even deeper to accessibility and, you know, modifying and and giving variations even tenfold to what I would do even more and giving that description to, you know, to someone that's in a wheelchair that comes into my class and we're doing it, we're doing a chair yoga class and we're going to offer them availability to be where they are and meet them where they are. I'm speaking to Kevin Naidu, the host of Reflect and Renew, which airs on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Kevin, you talk about heart-centered practice of yoga, which looks at the individual as a whole. Can you dig into that for us? Yes, that's that's honestly that's my purpose. My purpose in this world, in this life, is to break all the division going on in this world and bring everyone back to heart space, so we can see each other through the lens of Creator, through the lens of unconditional love. So we let go of those judgments and we we find that freedom to just be our authentic self. Mm-hmm. And everything, you know, we all come from heart space. We all come from Mother Earth. And when we can drop into the heart space, you know, one of the teachings of yoga is the power of love will always defeat the love of power. So when we can live and breathe in our heart space, we're completely protected. Nothing can touch us. Mm-hmm. And when in your life did you discover yoga? And what has the practice of yoga meant to you? From speaking my truth, it honestly saved my life. I, my life before yoga, I was an addict um, for about 
15, 20 years um, on every substance you can possibly imagine. Um, growing up, I really struggled with self-worth. I really struggled with loving myself, really struggled with who I am and fell into people pleasing, fell into trying to be the cool kid and all those things. And I fell into this path of addiction um, to the point of when I was 24, I tried to end it all and take myself out. Um, and yoga, you know, yoga came in when I was about 30 and it just made such a huge impact. I remember the first class I did, I, I finished the class and I was bawling my eyes out like a two-year-old and I had no idea why. I just remember calling my mom and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but like these tears won't stop. Mm -hmm. And for the next five days after that, I continued to practice and I continued to cry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just spoke to me so deeply because I've always been really connected to my emotions and my vulnerability. And that mm -hmm. showed me the power and the essence of this practice. And did yoga help you to find a connection between some of the mental and the spiritual trauma that you and maybe others are going through and the ways in which that might translate and manifest in the physical body? Yes, absolutely. It, you know, yoga showed me to be less critical, to quiet the mind, to let mm -hmm. go of the self-defeating thoughts. And, you know, all of us, Life isn't always rainbows and unicorns all the time, and we have gone through challenges. We have detours on our path, but what yoga has really showed me is when we can, from present moment, look at those pieces and honor the wound, mm -hmm. it doesn't have any hook anymore. When we can look and honor the wound and when we can be compassionate ourselves, I really believe there is no mistakes in life. I believe every so-called mistake is a teacher and a gift. And that's what yoga has really showed me. One of the things that people talk about in describing the philosophy behind yoga is the concept of moksha or liberation or release from the cycle of mm. birth and rebirth. Do you mm -hmm. espouse this concept of liberty in your work? Yes, I actually, it's funny, I... Um, my mother's camel, my father's telugu, I have the liberation tattooed across my chest. Mm. Um, and I did that at the start of my yoga journey because that was my point of liberating me. Um, liberation means so much to me. I, uh, I, I lost my, my mother a few months ago and that was a really, that hit me really hard. My mom has always been my go-to and to actually be in the process when she's getting cremated and to help spread her ashes and to really know that, you know what, yoga shows me that she's consciousness. She will continue to continue and continue to be here. Mm -hmm. This physical body is just our vehicle in this life. But when we can see ourselves as consciousness, we know we're always going to continue and yes. she's always going to be here. Yes, I remember reading a quote from the Bhagavad Gita, which said pretty much the same thing, that our body is just... Uh, a vehicle in the mortal world, but the soul lives on forever. And I think it can be a very comforting mm -hmm. thought. Kevin, I am very sorry to hear about your mother, and I hope that you're doing okay. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. I really wanted to sort of talk to you a little bit about the other aspect of your journey. You've been so candid about talking about your vision loss. You lost your vision in the left eye and some of it in your right eye, and then you undergo stem cell research and you regain some of your vision. What did that journey mean for you as a yogi? You know, I when I lost my vision, it happened so fast that I 
I kind of shut down. And if I'm really being honest, I, 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 I reacted. I got in my car, I grabbed my passport, and I drove to the airport. And I was like, I just don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to disappear. Um, and I sat there for a couple of hours until I made the conscious decision to be here. Um, the stem cell option came from my dad because my dad doesn't take no for an answer. He is Mr. Research and he will find a way. <laughs> um, and he started doing his research and found the stem cell treatment. And at that point, I honestly didn't know anything about stem cell treatment. So after I started digging into it and filling my own well with knowledge and my dad continuing to give me more information, I made that conscious decision that, you know what, and end of the day, this is an option and an option is an option. But the hard part there was how do I get how do I get the funding to do this? And, you know, because it's, it was $30,000 and this beautiful yoga community in Saskatoon and around the country came together and they raised that money for me in four weeks. And I feel every day I wake up blessed and grateful that for that opportunity to have that experience of the treatment over those 27 days and to be sitting here with improved vision and I feel so grateful. During that time when you were undergoing surgery, your eyes were bandaged and you were in an unfamiliar environment. Did that time that you had give you an opportunity to reflect on your life and to meditate? Absolutely. That was a very pivotal time. I uh, had my 40th birthday during that time in the hospital as well. And, you know, there's we, we have this tendency in life when we don't want to look at anything, we will stack it and we'll just hide it and we'll forget about it. And, you know, that, that moment gave me that opportunity um, when both my eyes were bandaged off. I had nowhere to hide anymore. I had to go inside and I had to look at all of, all of my journey, mm-hmm. you know, those, those pieces that I messed up on, those pieces um, that, I, that brought some shame, those shadowy pieces um, of my life, I had to really go in there and come back home to me. Um, so that was such a huge, huge um, journey going through that and so many different emotions. I actually remember um, that was the day of my 40th birthday as I was moving through all that was the first day in my life. I stood in front of the mirror in the bathroom. I had bandages over my eyes. I couldn't see my reflection, but I just remember standing there and consciously telling myself that I loved myself mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. And that that has been an active practice that I continue to do every single day um, since then. One of the things that you mentioned was the yoga community in Saskatoon that revolved around you and were able to fundraise so you could get to Thailand and get the stem cell surgery and the therapy it made me think about the, the the messages that a lot of us are told about needing to be independent and doing things for ourselves. Did you struggle with accepting that help from other people? Oh, did I ever struggle? I I can give all day and have no issues receiving. Is it's I I, I struggle with it's it's my work to uh, that I do every day and working to receiving. Um, yeah, so that was a challenge. I actually, my wife did it behind my back without me even knowing, and she started this GoFundMe page. And and then I think I saw it a day after she had posted it, or maybe two days after she posted it, and um, 
honestly, I reacted and I got a little mad and we had to have a little conversation and she had to talk me down and be like, you know, it's, it's okay to ask for help. We all need help sometimes. It's not a weakness. It just is, is what it is. And, um, so I am, I, I, I sit here in full gratitude for this community in Saskatoon, but also around the country that supported, um, my treatment. And you talk very candidly again about your gratitude for the women who contributed st- uh, stem cells and, you know, how much mm-hmm. you owe to them from, from you know, absolutely. in terms of your own recovery, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the, my, 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 the stem cell came from a healthy baby boy that matched um, my, my stem cells. So I, I'm so grateful for this beautiful woman that donated her stem cell from her from her young child and allowed it to be a match i it's it's i i say a prayer every single day to her to him and for this experience the voice that you're listening to is kevin naidu the host of reflect and renew with kevin naidu which airs at 9 a.m eastern on ami tv season two premiered on february 29th kevin you said before that anyone can practice yoga. You've even spoken briefly in the first half of our conversation about yoga for someone in a wheelchair. So what are some of the tips uh, that you would suggest for people of all abilities to fully participate in and take advantage of yoga? So I would say first thing is just the breath. Once we learn how to breathe correctly, we're doing yoga. You know, the West has this idea sometimes that when you – you say the word yoga, it automatically means to a, a posture or to a physical practice. And, and that's just such a small piece of what yoga actually is. You know, when we can breathe and use all of our lung capacity and, and allow ourselves to hear our breath, to filter our breath into all, all aspects of our entire body, into every single cell, we bring so much peace. We bring so much clarity. We lessen anxiety. We lessen stress. We lessen the, the overactive monkey mind that sometimes happens. So breath is a huge one. And as far as physicality, you know, regardless of us being in a chair or being visually impaired or hearing impaired or anything, there's always a way to incorporate yoga. I even teach a, a class that's yoga for the hands, and I use yoga mudras, which are energetic seals that connect you deeper inside. We can always use yoga in a different form. So um, we, can, uh, we can double up the props. We can make it available. I always just want to make everyone feel comfortable. I don't want to feel separated. I, I've had that feeling, um, a feeling not good enough when I first started and, and being told I was not good enough when I first started, to be honest. And I never want to have anyone have that feeling. I want them to feel empowered. I want them to feel loved. I want them to be able to look at themselves and have love and gratitude for that time they allowed themselves that day to just connect within. You talk about peace and you talk about comfort, and yet I am thinking about the practice of hot yoga, which seems anything but peaceful and comfortable because you're really in this hot, steamy room and you you seem to be pushing your body to its right. limits. How do you feel about that? I It's not a practice that I do at all. I don't really agree with it, to be honest. Mm. I... I feel like in, in those high temperatures of like 32, 34 degrees, and you're especially moving in like some, 
system, hot studios teach a power class in that in in that temperature, and I I don't see how that's safe. Mm-hmm. I don't see how it's safe to keep it constantly moving. I know that even some hot studios they don't let you drink water while you're in the space, and I don't. How is that safe? I don't. I don't. There's a lot of concerns I have there. Um, and if I, to be really honest, about 10 years ago when I first started teaching, I did teach at a hot studio, not for a very long time, for maybe about a year or a year and a half. And um, I taught one, two classes a week, and it 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 didn't resonate with me. I felt like it was taking for me. Um, I I always had student safety in my mind at, at the same time, you know, because it's one thing to sweat and and release toxins in the body when we're doing our physical practice, but the hot yoga piece almost seems like you're forcing that sweat out. You're mm-hmm. forcing yourself into these postures. And I know my own experience of hot yoga, I was so in my head. I wasn't present at all because it was completely uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it didn't serve me. Yeah, you just felt like you wanted it to be over and you wanted to get out of that yeah. room. And so it completely goes against what yoga is about. What do you feel Mm -hmm. about companies, large companies getting involved with yoga? And often they'll give you the message that yoga is good for you, but it'll be better for you if you buy some of our clothes and our equipment. Do you feel that that kind of initiative gets more people tuned into yoga? Or is it just a way to commercialize yoga and put it out of the reach of ordinary people? I think there's a lot of commercialism in yoga. I mean, there's there's something new that comes out every day and you know like there's all these different things there's goat yoga there's laughter yoga there's all these other things it seems like every week there's a new name for some kind of, of of yoga that's going on um in this world and you know there is that commercialism and you know i can understand it to a certain degree about um having these products that support your practice practice that support your journey and things like that but i disagree with the fact that the marketing where it comes um, at you like you need this to be a good yogi. You need to have this to be a good yoga teacher. To, you need to wear these kind of pants um, or these tights to to fit into this studio. Mm-hmm. You know that's where I, I I don't agree with it because again that what's that doing? It's breaking. It's bringing division again. Mm-hmm. And why does it matter if we if I walk in with sweats? into a yoga studio and a big sweatshirt over me you know why should i feel uncomfortable why should i feel judged in that space mm-hmm. should be able to walk in comfortably and just be me and that's where i get so overly passionate about because i i truly believe that a yoga studio should be a safe space it's, it's so many people are releasing things in a studio, are going through emotions, are going navigating through things. It needs to be a safe space. Mm-hmm. And the teacher that's in there has to be present. Otherwise, how can he hold space for the students and to allow their journey? To speak, uh, just to sort of speak to you about the role of the yoga instructor or the yoga teacher, do you think part of that role also involves talking to people about the history of yoga, its rich heritage, and talking about it in a way that doesn't exoticize India or other the people in India who actually live there? Absolutely. I, I actually teach yoga philosophy um, for teacher trainings um, throughout the year. So I live and breathe yoga philosophy. It's one of my passions. Um, I really think it's such a huge component just as 
much as the asana, the physical practice is a component about the, finding out the history, going in and, and doing your own self-study, seeing what resonates with you and also seeing what doesn't resonate with you and honoring your whole process. That's the beautiful thing about yoga. It supports our each of our individual journey and it meets us where we're at regardless of um, mobility, regardless of health, regardless of anything. Well, you know, one of my earliest memories of yoga is looking out of my window and seeing people practicing yoga in the park. Now, we should acknowledge that we are in Canada. It is the middle of winter, and I don't suggest <laughs> that anyone go out and do yoga outdoors right now. But when the weather improves, do you feel there's something nice about being in nature when you practice yoga? Absolutely. I love teaching outside. You know, I I was always taught from my teacher that nature is our biggest healer when we when when our minds getting too busy when we're being self-destructive when we have anxiety when we're going through depression just a, a walk through nature putting your back up against a tree your feet into the earth sitting on the grass you know so to practice and to be one i feel like we're we're you know yoga means union and we have that union of where we come from when we're connected to the earth like that Kevin, it's been such a privilege and an honor speaking to you. Thank you for making some time for us today. Thank you so much for seeing me and for having me. I really feel so blessed and grateful to be with you today. So thank you. That was Kevin Naidu, host of Reflect and Renew with Kevin Naidu, which airs on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Episodes also become available at ami.ca and on the AMI-tv app, available on iOS. To close, I think we are at an interesting moment in the history and evolution of yoga. We see yoga studios crop up everywhere and heightened interest. To be, to be honest, it's never been more popular. At the same time, there is a greater appreciation for what exactly yoga is. It's not an exotic Eastern practice. It certainly goes beyond postures. Yoga is a way to connect with your whole self. Breathing and meditation are as important as physical practice. So if we begin to expand on our understanding of what yoga itself is, we can also begin to cultivate an inclusive practice of yoga. I don't just mean inclusive for people with, disab- with disabilities, but also inclusive for racialized people and low-income people, particularly women and youth who can both benefit from and contribute to our understanding of yoga. I'd like to thank Kevin Naidu, who's been my guest today. The Pulse is produced by Andrika Delanero. Our technical producer is Sam Robinson, and Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. If you'd like to go back and listen to this program, it is available on your favorite podcast platforms. You can also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse for some additional thoughts and comments from me. We'd love to get your feedback. You can write to feedback at ami.ca. You can find us on Twitter at AMI-audio. Use the hashtag PulseAMI. Whatever your means of communication, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for being a part of this journey. You're listening to The Pulse on AMI-audio. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. 
That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.